Many of us, we endure life. We endure life rather than enjoying life. You know the difference between those two words, endure and enjoy. We think that joy comes when we get to heaven. And when, finally, when we die and go to heaven, that's when we'll really experience it. That's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, the Bible says that God created us to be joyful people. To be joyful people, beginning right now, here in this life. And some of you don't feel like you're joyful. Because you don't understand joy yet. For most of us, joy is lacking in our lives because we don't understand how God releases joy, how He injects joy, how He infuses joy. What is the pathway, what is the door through which He brings joy into our life? How does He do it? So we want to understand this a little bit today as we start a study in the book of Philippians in the New Testament. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in uh, Philippi, that's why they're called Philippians, and uh, the city Philippi was named after the king, King Philip. Let's understand what joy is. Number one, joy is not a personality. Joy is not a personality. Joy is not one of those personalities that bubbly, smiley, laugh all the time, giggle all the time, <clears throat> get scared, you then laugh, you, you tense, you laugh, you, no matter what, the person is just always looking on the bright side. That's a personality, that's not joy. You can be as morose as you're looking right now and still be joyful. Sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> you can still be joyful. It doesn't matter what personality you have because joy is deep down inside. I want us to understand what joy is. It's so far from happiness. It is not happiness. It's not not happiness, but it's not happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a state of spirit, which eventually becomes a state of mind. I want us to understand joy because when we know what God's joy is all about, what joy is, what it means to be joyful, then perhaps we will allow God to infuse it into our life, to inject it into our lives. You know, for those of you who know the scriptures, that it is the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not you being joyful, it's joyful being in you. Hmm. Joy is not a personality. Number two, joy comes from God's word. It comes from God's word. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. So the joy doesn't come from, from circumstances. It doesn't come from situations, from results, from outcomes. It comes from the word of God. It, in, that's how one of the ways God releases joy. Joy is, not, joy is normal. Joy is normal. Joy is the default mode. So if you're not joyful, something is wrong. So you don't look for joy like one looks for happiness. You don't look for moments of joyfulness like one looks for happy moments or ecstatic moments. Joy is normal. Joy must be the, the default, borderline, basic thing in our life, deep down inside. So that's what uh, normal means. Joy is normal. So when I'm not feeling joyful, I'm not experiencing joy, there's a lack of joy, I need to fi find out something that is blocking it and then get back to normal, do a system restore. Number four, joy is our strength. Some of you think determination is strength. Some of you think, you know, willpower is strength. All those things are fine, but they don't give that inner strength to get through difficult times, to reach, cla uh, uh, to reach great heights of, of accomplishment. It is joy. Joy is what infuses that. In fact, when you, when you come to situations in your life where you say, I can't, I can't 
go on with this person. I can't deal with this anymore. I, those are situations where actually joy is lacking in your life and therefore you don't have the strength. You think because you can't handle the situation, you are because of that not joyful. But because you don't have joy, you are not able to handle the situation. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength and not the strength of the Lord is my joy. The joy of the Lord, it gives a certain kind of a strength from within. And that's why joyful people are able to get through valley experiences. Number five, joy can be lost. And David says this after a season of sin in his life. He comes back, repents, writes Psalm 51. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That joy that I found when I allowed you into my life, when I got right with you, when you saved me, when you took me from darkness to light, when, we, when, you, when you made me your own, that joy restored to me because I gone and lost it again. So in Philippians, Paul is saying, do you want to live a life of joy? Do you want joy to be the undercurrent of your life? Joy in spite of, in spite of, Revealed through the very things that are stealing our joy. So you can have things that are stealing your joy, but in spite of that, you can have joy. Paul's more than qualified to preach this, because he's writing to you not from the comfort of a pew. He's writing to you from prison. And prison is not, those prisons back then were not like Tihar jail. Gate 2, cell phones, computer classes, assembly, gathering, meditation. It wasn't that. It was a cave. It was a dungeon. They just grabbed you and threw you in. And you didn't know when you were going to come out. You didn't get to have chit-chats with the cops. They just threw you in. It's dark, dungy, dirty, no sanitation, no water, no electricity, nothing. And Paul is thrown into that city. For what? For the, for the proclamation of the gospel. For the sake of the, of the gospel. And he's chucked into the prison. And he's there indefinite. And there in that mess, his thoughts are with the Philippian people. His thoughts are with spiritual growth and the gospel. His thoughts are joyful. So we want to get to the bottom of it. Is how does Paul feel that way? How can he be writing to somebody else who's sitting in pews? You get the irony? Writing to others sitting in pews from a circumstance that he is going through and say, I'm experiencing joy on your behalf. I'm experiencing joy on your behalf. How does he do that? We want to get into that. So he starts his letter with talk about finding joy in relationships. And Paul talks about his relationship with these people, those uh, believers in Philippi. And we've got three things for you to take note of so that you can remember uh, this number one you've got to put people in your thoughts you've got to put people in your thoughts because when you keep thinking about things if all you're thinking about is things all the time then you're not going to have that joy in your life because things will take over the, the value of things will take over you've got to put people in your thoughts and here are a few kind of thoughts the way Paul thought verse 3 we're looking at verse 3 to verse 11 
skipping one and two because that's his introduction and we're going to verse by verse go through the book of Philippians and whenever I have my little bit to add I will add uh, from my own personal study of it but I think I think it's fairly comprehensive here verse three he begins jumps straight into it and he just loves these people and he's 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 talking about in fact Philippians this particular passage there's more love in its intensity than any of the other epistles he says I thank my God every time I what remember you you have to put people in your thoughts every time I remember you so first of all he had caring thoughts he had caring thoughts he cared about people here's Paul 10 years possibly after having been in Philippi and he's remembering these people with such affection with such care he hadn't seen them for a long time but he still remembered them and the very fact that you have the letters of Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians, they're a testimony. They're a testimony to the fact that Paul kept on thinking about these people. Here's an apostle. He's planting a church. He moves on, plants a church. He moves on, plants a church, and he moves on. He's handed over to Timothy. Timothy is taking care as a, as a, as a younger pastor, and he's taking care of the doctrine, and he's taking care of the teaching. Then he's put elders in place for the case to take care of governance, and he set up the, the church, and he's moved on. And he could very well say, you know what, now I've got international ministry. But over there, he's sitting in a dungeon thinking about how these people are doing, thankful for them by name, by name, caring thoughts caring thoughts. If you're anything like me, if you're out of my sight, I cease to care for you. It's just the way it is. If you're out of my sight, I cease to care for you. But here it is, 10 years past, he's remembering these people with caring thoughts. He's, apparently they're still on his prayer list and he's praying for them. Praying for them. He didn't stop caring. Number two, thankful thoughts. I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from, the, from that day, from the first day until now. One of the real secrets to magnifying joy for you and for me is thanking God for people. Not your children and your parents and your and your loved ones, loved ones being those who love you. It's very easy to pray for them. Those who will make your life better. But the people whom God puts on your list saying, you pray for them. You pray for them. Being thankful for people in your life. Thankful for the difficult people in your office. Thankful for the difficult people who have created a situation that is rubbing you up the wrong way so that you may run to God in prayer. Giving you situations to love the unlovable. Thank, thank God. When we begin to thank God for people, we will experience joy. It's tough to do. It's tough to do. We get so focused on ourselves, so focused on our own needs, our own, own desires. But he had caring thoughts. He had thankful thoughts. He says, I think of you with great joy. He had joyful thoughts. Joyful thoughts. The number one thing that steals our joy is jealousy. Jealousy about other people. When I can't see someone else get ahead of me, receive something amazing, 
get something I don't think they deserve, have a baby, get married, find a love, new loved one, get ahead in life. When I can't rejoice, when I can't enjoy, when I can't celebrate with somebody, when something great has happened in their life, there is a serious problem of jealousy. And jealousy breaks down my ability to care for the person, love the person, think joyfully for the other person. And if I'm not going to do that, I'm the one who's going to be robbed of joy. I'm the one who's going to be robbed of joy. But he had joyful thoughts. Satan tempts us to be jealous towards others. Satan tempts us to be jealous towards others. God invites us to be joyful towards others. God invites us to be joyful for others. So it's the exact opposite. It's the opposite. It's what God is doing in your life. And we just have to say, God help me. I'm in a trap of jealousy. And it's not with everybody. You don't get jealous of everybody. You get jealous of your favorite people. You have favorite jealous people. Just like you have favorite people who you love. Because you don't love everyone. You love certain people. They are your favorite loved ones. Then you have your favorite hate people. Because you, you don't hate everyone, but there are certain... Yeah? And then you have your favorite jealous people. Because another person can buy a new car, another one can have a baby. It doesn't bother you, but when some particular... That's one is you can't sleep. God, I'm in a trap. Set me free. Set me free. I want to rejoice with those who rejoice. I want to weep with those who weep. Careful thoughts. Caring thoughts, rather. Thankful thoughts. Joyful thoughts. And confident thoughts. Confident thoughts. Thinking confidently about somebody else. Faith. Faith-filled about somebody else. I always pray with joy. There's your joyful thoughts. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Because you were partner with me in the gospel. Being confident of this, in this rather, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion unto the day of Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses. Oh, I love that verse. But let's break it down and let's understand this beautiful verse. He says this. I always pray with joy. I'm praying for you and I'm praying with joy. I love that. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The day I met you, from the day we started out, you have been with me on this gospel thing. The, 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 the growth of the church, the growth of individuals in the body of Christ, the growth of the body of Christ, the maturing of the body of Christ, the ministry of the body. You have been just with me. I felt your support. I felt your commitment to Jesus. And that's what's made me so connected to you. You don't get connected just because people are nice or good looking. You don't just get connected because you like bowling. You get connected because both are committed to the same purpose. Both love the same purpose. I can go across the world and I can get my heart will beat with another person just because he also, his heart beats for the health of the church. I can just meet somebody in any country, any culture. He could be eating something which I don't like. And he just has to start talking about the health of the church and I'm with him. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about? You just feel this partnership. He says, I, I, I pray with great joy for you because you have been with me on the gospel train. 
you've been with me on this and that he says is because God has started a work in you now 10 years or so ago I was with you I was in your presence I was your pastor it was my ministry now it's handed over it's somebody else's ministry I've moved on now I've become apostle of and I've become pastor of all these other churches and I've planted so many churches but but God did that work in you and my confidence is that no matter what you're going through circumstances no matter what you're going through the trials you will come to a completion in God's plan for your life he will finish what he started in you doesn't matter whether I'm there or not doesn't matter whether I'm there if I was there at the beginning I was at the end doesn't make a difference God is the one and my confidence in you which is what is filling me with joy to pray for you is because I am confident that God is going to do that in fact you know confidence is the word they've translated just for modern people for today's contemporary people but the original word isn't even confident it is I am persuaded I am persuaded and he says it's in the, in the in the in the present continuous I am being persuaded I am currently under conviction and remain under conviction that you are going to make it you are going to make it boy if we had a few pastors and leaders like that in our church that would be praying with such confidence for us that we would make it what a difference it would make to us confidence that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ so you've got to put people in your thoughts number two you've got to put people in your hearts you got to put people we're talking about relationships we're talking about making relationships priority you got to put people in your heart see joy isn't even possible if you don't have people in your heart it's impossible sometimes when you get hurt it's people who hurt you people things don't hurt you unless the people threw it them at you <laughs> people hurt you they are the ones who say stuff do stuff act in a way and it hurts you and it happens once it happens twice and you're like no more that's it i'm not going to let any people in my life no more and you think you're the wisest person on the face of the earth in that moment and you cut off from people but people are the source of joy whether they bring sorrow with them or not they are the source of joy your life invested in people is what brings you joy not people investing in you so relationships are what brings joy they bring a whole lot of other things but they bring joy and when you cut yourself off from relationships and you say no more people no more I'm not letting them into my life anymore and you put a distance between them you put arms like between them you you put build up walls higher and higher and you put people out you are the one who become less and less joyful and more and more sour and now because of your sour face people are keeping a further distance from you and then you know what you say you say people they don't care they don't care they don't love they're just hypocrites very easy very easy to get there when i cut people out of my life i must understand that people are one of the sources of joy in my life and what god is doing in their life and what god is doing in my life is what this whole thing is about paul understood that in verse 7 he says it's right for me to feel this way about all of you why since i have you in my say it heart here's a guy 
who's been with them a few years before. He's invested in them from some time ago. He's now moved on. He's seen greater things. He's seen ups. He's seen downs. He's seen all sorts of circumstances. And he says, I have the right to claim you as my joy because I have you in my heart. We've already established that he's, he's got them in his head. I've been praying for you. I've been joyful for you. And now I have you in my heart. And I long to be with you. And therefore I have a right to claim that you are my joy. To, a right to claim accountability from you. To be connected to you. You want a right over people around you. You want people to behave in a certain way. You want people to respond in a certain way. Half of your life you spend angry because people don't respond the way you would like them to respond. They don't love you the way you want to respond, the way you would like them to love you. Most of the time, people are a disappointment. I'll tell you why. Because your life has not been invested in them. You want to hold on to what you've got and you want what they've got. A lot of the time, that's the key reason why we lose our joy. And if you want more explanation, come sit next to me in half an hour. I'll tell you what it is exactly in your life, which is why you're struggling with that. But that's the principle. That's how it works. He says, it's my right. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. He goes on to say, for whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, do that again, for whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. For God can testify how I long for you, for all of you, with the affection of Christ. Now there's a lot over there, and I'm going to break it down to two words. Partnership and fellowship. Partnership and fellowship. You've got to put people in your heart. And the reason why Paul has put these people in, there, in his heart is because of two reasons. Number one is because they have been on board with him for the gospel. Now if your life is all about you, people are not going to get on board with you because your life is not their mission. But if you are all about the gospel and they are all about the gospel, you are going to experience a partnership. You're going to give your life to something bigger than both of you to put, put together. That's what a godly, godly marriage is about. That's what a godly home group is about. That's what a godly church is about. When you rise above yourself and, and move towards what God has set in purpose for you. So he says, whether I'm in chains or I'm defending the gospel or whatever I'm doing, from day one, you guys have been with me. And because of that, I feel that partnership of the gospel with you. And therefore, it has led me to true fellowship. What is that fellowship? I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. God can testify. God looks into my heart and he can testify. He's my, he's my, uh, my witness. That I long, the original word is from my bowels, from my gut, in my heart, I have a deep longing for you. Why would he want to be with the Philippians? Why would anybody want to be with the Philippians? I mean, first of all, they're called Philippians. Why would you want to be with anybody that way? Why would you long for anyone like that? Because of the partnership. And the partnership leads to fellowship. 
What is the fellowship? I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Not with the affection of Paul. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay? When there's a partnership in the gospel, then the fellowship, the relationship is bonded by, is the adhesive is the affection of Jesus. I begin to love you with the love of Jesus. You begin to love me back with the love of Jesus. The relationship, the fellowship we share is not human in, the, in, its, in its physicality, in its, in its weakness, in its broken down functioning. It's, it's, it's the love of God itself. That's why you and I can travel anywhere in the world. And the moment you meet somebody else who says, I love Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, boom, you've got family. You've got family. Anywhere in the world, even if the guy's got one spear and a short skirt, as soon as there are signs that he knows Jesus, there's a connection. Because the love of Jesus is so powerful and it brings the body of Christ together from across the world. He is the head. It's his affection, his heart, his head. And that partnership flows into fellowship. I put people in my thoughts, I put people in my heart, and three, I put people in my prayers. I put people, put people in your prayers. That's the source of joy. And Paul gives a list of what to pray about in his own prayer. He says, this is my prayer, okay? He's stating the prayer for you. That, this is the content of the prayer. This is the hope, this is the uh, uh, desired outcome of the prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and deep insight. We'll complete the verse in just a bit. But let me break that down. This is my prayer that you, that your love <clears throat> may abound more and more in knowledge and insight. When he talks about love, he's not talking about passionate love. He's not talking about romantic love. We know that because we look at the two things that the love is growing. This love is overflowing and when the love overflows, two things are overflowing to show that love. And that is number one, knowledge. Assuming the knowledge of the person of the Lord Jesus. And number two, deep insight deep insight so this love is a love that makes you smarter the other love we know about it makes you dumber <laughs> you do silly things you make silly choices and you go down wrong paths and then you say but I thought he loved me I thought I was in love you were in love only that love this love makes you smarter. It's a love that we, I need to understand that is not this kind of love. It is a godly love. It is a different love. It's a love that overflows in knowledge and in deep insight. Now when I have knowledge of you and I have a deep understanding of you, I am able to love you better. It is my misunderstanding of you and it is my lack of discernment about you that makes me want to hate you or love you less that your love may abound this is his prayer that the philippine people would 
Then love may abound. We've, we've understood love. We've got the definition of love. But what is this abound thing? Is Because in the original, it's beautiful. The word abound is good. It has a great meaning. But the original term has, is perisio. It's, 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 it's crossing borders. You know, perimeter, peri. It's crossing borders. It's overflowing past the borders. And not just once. More and more. More and more. Constantly, your love is just overflowing. Imagine a community with that kind of love. And not just, you know, mushy love, not just romantic or passionate love or just excitement about certain things, what they love together, but the love of God, knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and discernment. So I pray, number one, you pray for people's growth. Four ways to pray for people. You pray for people's growth. You pray that their love would grow. Larger and larger. You pray that people would be growing in love towards God. Growing in love towards each other. That's what you pray about. And he goes on to say, I pray that this will happen in real knowledge and real depth of insight. So you may be able to say it. Say it loud. What? Discern what is best. So you may be able to discern what is best. Here is a love. That is knowledge and deep insight that makes you make choices that are best, that are right. It gives you the discernment to make the best choices. So number one, I pray for people to grow in the love that gives wisdom. The next thing is because of that wisdom, I pray for people to make the right choices. I pray for people to make right choice. I pray for people's choices. And number three, I pray for people's character. Because Paul goes on to say, I pray that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Because those choices are going to lead to character. Because the, most of the messed up choices we make have to do with character. Have to do with sinful choices. Foolish choices, regrettable choices, unwise choices, wrong choices. So you pray for people's choices, you pray for people's character. And if they have that discernment, if they make the right choices, then God will work in them and there will be spiritual fruit. I pray that you might be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Where does this fruit come from? Not from you, but from Jesus Christ. He is the one who's bearing his life through you, the fruit of his life. Only, the only righteous life is his. And his life is coming through you. That's the fruit of your life because you are committed, you are surrendered to him. I pray that you might be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So you pray that people can be growing so that they may make an impact on other people They'll be connected to God through Jesus. You're praying for their spiritual walk. You're praying for their spiritual fruitfulness. Pray for people's growth. Pray for people's choices. Pray for people's character. Pray for people's fruitfulness. Let's land the sermon. It's kind of there's a logical progression here. You grow in love so that you can make good decisions. So that you can have a better character. So that your character will result in fruitfulness. So that you can make a difference and an impact in the world. The Bible is filled with truth that people, our relationship with these people, are at the center of joy. You pray for people, God puts you with, fills you with joy. You pray for people, 
God fills you with joy. You put people in your heart, God fills you with joy. You put people in your mind, God fills you with joy. This joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and the, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and is bearing that fruit. So you don't work up joy. Joy is born in your life. So when, here's the logical one if you've been thinking, so when joy is lacking, the Holy Spirit is not bearing fruit, that joy in your life. So you have to stop and ask the question, where have I gone wrong? What am I not doing that is in sync with God's will? And sooner or later you'll come to the conclusion that some relationship in your life is unattended to. Is unattended to. It's people, 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 people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy you have in the presence of God because of you? We have in the presence of God because of you. Later in Philippians, he's going to remind the Philippians that you are, uh, you, you are going to be my joy. You're going to be my crown when I get to heaven. 2 Timothy, he says, remembering that you cried for me, I want very much to see you so I can be filled with joy when I see you. Philemon, he wrote, your love has given me great joy and encouragement. John the apostle wrote, it's, great, it's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in truth sticking to it, continuing in the Lord. Uh, Third John verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth, that your lives are being changed by Christ. Paul knew the secret to joy. It was people. It was people. People are the secret of the joy. They are not the source of joy. Did you hear me? I didn't say people will give you the joy. I said God will give you the joy when you put people first. Because God puts people first. Don't walk up to anybody and say, you my joy. <laughs> it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> partnership in the gospel. How, how what a joy it is to partner in the gospel. It gives you great fellowship. Gives you great fellowship. And that fellowship, that affection of Christ is what... Uh, I was thinking of what we can do practically. You know, Each of you needs to leave this place with something in your mind saying, Lord, this is what I'm going to do about today's message. This is how I'm going to put people first. Whether it's the prayer thing or the inner heart or in the thoughts, you decide. You, you decide how you're going to obey Jesus today and this week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for, for what you have clearly gotten through to us and I know for a fact that even those who are here in church for the first time they have heard from you they have felt your presence and those who are dealing with issues they have heard oh God many who want that joy back they have heard Father release people from here with a deep sense of conviction but clarity Lord what needs to change in their life in order for them to get that joy back Release people here with the desire and the commitment to live joyfully. We think, we think we have the right to whinge and whine. We think we have the right to focus on what we don't have. When you have planned an eternity of luxury and joy and everlasting happiness. We think we have the right to make other people miserable because we are miserable. Release us from all this fleshly, carnal behavior and mentality. Set us free, O oh God. That the fruit that the, the Holy Spirit 
in our life would bear the fruit of the Spirit. The second of which is joy. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson, and if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below, but let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe. <laughs>